the Columbia Workshop. Tonight, the Columbia Workshop presents a new radio drama written by Abram Polanski and directed by Mark Loeb, entitled Flory and the Country Green. After my children had gone away to their own lives in their own homes, the old house became too big and empty for me, and I'm afraid my life became too small. I used to mope around a lot. I had nerves. And Dr. Lampert came over. Carl Lampert was a family friend even when my husband was alive, so he was able to talk frankly. You've got to do more than just wait for time to pass, Emily. Well, it's the house, Carl. It's a family house, and... Now there's no family in it. All right, then leave it. Go away. Mm-hmm. My time of life? Oh, you might just as well tell me to leave my own skin. Why, you might just as well tell me to marry again. Well, I might do that. What? <laughs> but don't get angry. I haven't. Well, if there are only... Well, I mean, Carl, I don't have any relatives, and I can't expect friends to move in with me, or... My rooms are kind of dead without people in them. Well, put people in them, then. This is a country town. It's quiet, healthy, green, and it's summer. And the city isn't far. And that's how they came. I put an ad in the New York paper, and the very next Wednesday they sent me a letter, and on Sunday they arrived. Yes? I'm Mrs. Anna Wilde. This is my daughter. Put your harmonica away. This is Flory. Oh, come in, Mrs. Wilde. Uh, come in, Flory, dear. The child never smiled. She clutched a harmonica in one hand and an old doll in the other. She was very much like a doll herself with big black eyes and a black crop of hair, small, quiet, unsmiling. Say hello to Mrs. Brandon, Flory. Hello. Hello, Flory. Well, the child stood there, her grave eyes going beyond me, and I... I suddenly got the feeling that she was waiting. Her mother and I didn't seem to exist, only something beyond us. And as she looked up the stairway, I found myself looking, too. But there was no one there. No one could have been there. She just looked. She listened almost as if for a footstep or a voice. Stop dreaming, Flory. Where are your manners? The child's gaze came back to us, cool, remote, as if we didn't exist. Then she put the harmonica to her lips and played. Then she listened again as if she had blown a trumpet like a little Gabriel and was waiting for the dead to rise. Flory, I've got your room all fixed up, Mrs. Wilde. It's a nice corner room with four windows and the big maple puts its branches in. It's always green, always sunny, and always cool. I hope you'll be at home here and Flory, too. Oh, I'll carry the bag. That's all right. I can carry it. Just up these stairs, this way. I'm sure you're both going to be very happy here. Well, I hope so. As long as it's quiet, I... <laughs> That's my main trouble. It's been too quiet here. I won't be mine. Come, Flory. The child hesitated, and... Then she lifted the harmonica and blew again. She waited, positively intent for some reply. Listening. Flory, I'll take it away from you. Well, the child sighed, and with a melancholy indifference went right up the stairs after us. And that's how they moved in. 
for a month. Well, that was our arrangement. It wasn't so companionable as I'd hoped. In fact, it was just the opposite. And I told that to Mr. Fixit, Carl Lampert, M.D. Not only is the whole village sorry for me because I have to take in boarders, but I might just as well be living by myself. It's all your silly idea, Carl. Oh, now, Emily... I might just as well be living in the house with two ghosts. At least I wouldn't have to be getting three meals a day. They just rattle their chains and go about their business. After all, Carl... Well, it's just a mother and daughter, not a vaudeville troupe. I don't like Mrs. Anna Wilde, if that's her real name. She's a cold, unsmiling woman. But Florrie is... And Florrie is queer. That's all a queer child. She never smiles and... She blows that silly thing and waits. Waits? Waits as if she were calling someone. Very queer, Carl. Where's the father, if there is one? Where's the husband? I don't even know if she has one or not. Oh, Emily. (laughs) And then the two things happened together. Mrs. Wilde was off somewhere. I don't know just where, and I dropped across the street to Kitty's house to talk a little. Mostly about Anna Wilde, if you must know. Uh, We were sitting in Kitty's kitchen, and from there you can look out into my backyard. And there was Flory walking solemnly about the vegetable garden, not not even stepping on a single radish. She was an extraordinary child with no spirit or mischief in her. And I said as much to Kitty. It's the mother. It's the mother, Emily. She looks awfully brazen and hard to me. Look at that solemn child. It's just in her, that's all. Just like a little nun, as if she were walking and saying her prayers quietly to herself. It's strange. Well, what's wrong? For Florrie had suddenly looked up at my house, and then, as if the sun had suddenly beamed brighter, her face broke into a bouquet of smiles, and she ran like the wind around to the front of my house and out of sight. The way children will play. There must be a mother come back. I just can't fathom them, Kitty. And I tell you, I'll be glad when the month's up and they're gone. Oh, it's a trial to have boarders. How's the family? Well, I said they were fine, and then we started talking about the Japanese beetles, which were terrible that year. Must have been an hour before I went back to my house. I had to get dinner from a paying guest whether I liked it or not, and I figured I'd make them something special just to have something to talk about. Well, when I walked in the back door, I heard the queerest thing. It was the first time the child had ever made real music on the harmonica. And then... never heard her play with her mother that way, and I started to go to the front and upstairs when... Oh. Hello? Hello, Emily. This is Kitty. Oh, yes. Mrs. Wilson just called me, and she wants to know if you can come to the Red Cross meeting tonight. All the girls are going to be there, and we have to decide about that rummage sale next month. Uh, uh, just a minute, Kitty. Oh, Flory! Flory! I knew the door had opened and closed. Flory! What's wrong? Oh, nothing. I think the child went yes, out. Yes, Mrs. Brandon? Oh, well, didn't you go out? What's that, Emily? Uh, what did I do? Uh, nothing. I'll, I'll drop over later. Goodbye. Goodbye. Did 
did your mother go out, Flory? She wasn't here. A dryness came into my heart. The child stood there just quietly holding the old harmonica in her hand. She watched me with steady, unfrightened eyes as, as if judging me. Well, who were you playing with? She didn't answer. My throat began to tighten. It was the queerest, funniest feeling, like what you get after a bad dream. Will you promise me, Mrs. Brandon? Promise you what, child? Not to tell. Not to tell what, Flory? Will you promise? <laughs> but I have to know what I'm promising. My father was here. He doesn't want my mother to know, and I promised him. Will you promise? And I promised. I've been reading newspapers long enough to recognize the old, old story of a quarreling husband and wife. And I realized that Anna Weil must have just taken the child and hidden out in the country with me to get away from her husband. But then from the way the child's face had lit up, didn't take me long to figure which partner in the marriage was the bad one. And I got to hate Mrs. Wild a little. My heart went out to the little miss. Of course, I didn't say a word to Anna Wilde when she got back. But I did tell Dr. Lambert. No, not that I intended to, but he started it. Guess who I saw this afternoon, Emily? Oh, Carl. Is it worth, is it worth a taste of that current preserve? I'm saving it for winter. <laughs> then I guess we'll save my story for winter. Here's the preserves. Well, I'm not going to lick it up with my fingers. Don't be so provocative, Carl. Tell me. Why, I was coming back from a visit to Ida Winter's boy... Say this good. Awful good. Yes? He's in his fifth day with measles. I hope the baby don't get it. They always do. They always don't. I happen to know, Carl. Well, never mind. Anyway, I took the shortcut over that dirt road that goes by the dairy farm. And I passed a little blue coop parked near the brook. And who do you think was in it? I know. You know what? How could you know? He was here this afternoon, so they must be making up. Who was here? Mrs. Wilde's husband. Oh, what time? Four, about four. Well, then the man with Mrs. Wilde wasn't her husband. It was about four when I saw him. Dark chap, very thin, tall. Is that her husband? Well, I didn't see Mr. Wilde. I was talking on the phone and... Oh, Mrs. Wilde. I saw you come in, Dr. Lampert. And I just wanted to tell you whom you saw me with in case you started discussing it. Mrs. Brandon, my husband left me a few months ago. He just left without saying a word or leaving me a dime. And the man Dr. Lampert saw me with is my gentleman friend, just like yours. Well. You mind if I invite him to the house? Why should I mind? Well, thanks. I just want to keep things straight. I'm not hiding anything. There's nothing to hide. <laughs> well. Frank, isn't she? Frank. Well, I am your gentleman friend. Carl. Well, what am I then? I can see everything, Carl. I don't blame a husband for leaving her. What with Anna Wilde having a gentleman friend in a little blue coop. Mr. Wilde was here this afternoon to see the child, and he made her promise not to say he'd been here. And I promised Flory I wouldn't say anything. But imagine the nerve of a woman walking in and telling us... Well, looks like you've got an angle of a triangle living under your roof. Uh, don't eat all the preserve, and don't tell me I have a triangle under my roof. I have nothing of the kind. Poor little Flory. 
You should have seen her face light up when the father came. Oh, I thought you didn't see him. But I saw her run to him. I was at Kitty's house looking out of the window. I'm going to ask Flory when he's coming again. Must be Mrs. Wilde's fault, I can tell. Imagine a blue coup. Well, I didn't much like the looks of the friend. And I don't like the looks of the whole thing. I'm afraid I brooded over it a little, lying awake at night and hearing the maple conversing in its secret way and me in bed talking to myself. I'm afraid I began imagining things, imagining secrets a person oughtn't bring to mind. And always before my eyes was little Flory, holding her harmonica, being quiet and sober. Then suddenly her face would break with joy. She loved the father, and I wondered when he would come again. But the other one, Mr. Ed Deasy. Anna Wilde called him. Mr. Deasy was coming on Friday night after dinner. I invited him over, Mrs. Brandon. You said you wouldn't mind. Why should I mind, Mrs. Wilde? Well, this is a small town, and I... You said your husband left you. Are you getting divorced? Yeah, I guess I'll have to. Don't you want to see him again? blank, hard look came across her eyes like two separate and different lids, and she blinked. No, I don't want to see him again. Well, that's your business, Mrs. Wilde, but what about the child? She's my child. Since that was the fact, I didn't say anything. I called Carl up and asked him to come over. I don't know, but I, I just didn't feel respectable having that Mr. Deasy over, and I felt that Carl, being a doctor and used to anything, would give the meeting a uh, settled touch. Now, after Flory was put to bed, Mrs. Wilde left and I went down the cellar to get some of my fancy mixed pickles and some of my preserve. Well, I figured I'd make it an occasion because I wasn't a boarding house landlady, no matter what Mrs. Wilde thought. I had the jars in my hand and I opened the cellar door... And I heard it again. The father had come in. Well, I, I stood there rooted to the ground. I hadn't heard the front door open. The tune played on and then it paused. <laughs> that was the child. Well, I hurried into the kitchen and took off my apron. I decided to go upstairs and tell Mr. Wilde that his wife was coming right over with the gentleman in the blue coupe. It frightened me having the whole triangle under my roof, and I prayed that Dr. Lampert would hurry over. Well, just as I started upstairs, there was a knock on the door. Carl! What? Emily, you're white as a ghost. What's wrong? Come over here, Carl, in the sitting room. What? He's here. Mr. Deasy? No, Mr. Wilde. Listen. Huh. Well, he plays sweet. What kind of man is he? I was down in the cellar when he came in. I didn't see him. <laughs> come out, come out, wherever you are. Come out, come out, wherever you are. Let's go up. If his wife and that man come together... Well, maybe it wouldn't hurt if they did come. I don't want that kind of a scene in my house, Carl. And if you All are... right, all right, let's go up. Do I look all right? Do you mean do you look beautiful or presentable? 
I'm not that old, but I merely have to look presentable. I didn't say you were so old. It's kind of funny, don't you think, Carl? The, the way every time he comes... Well, I... I mean, you wouldn't think the man would have that much brass just to walk up without as much as saying, how do you do? I wonder what's wrong between him and his wife. Mr. Ed Deasy, no doubt. He'd be wrong between anything. Hmm. Play's quite nice, don't you think? Mm. What shall we say to him? Anything you please. Well, the children are always the victims in such affairs, and oh, that poor Flora, you have only to look at her to know why... That's the fire whistle. Oh, must be grass burning somewhere. No, not in summertime. Oh, it's a general alarm. It's a house. I'll be right back. Emily. Oh, call just a minute. They're coming this way. I wonder whose house it is. Look, Emily. Uh, over there, Carl, across the square. Isn't that Mrs. Jacobs' house? Black smoke. Out of the kitchen window must be the stove. You come in. I'll be right back. I stood there watching, feeling excited and sorry for Mrs. Jacobs. Black smoke poured out of the windows and their volunteers arrived. They ran into the house and then they all came out laughing. I could see Carl coming back across the square and at the same moment the little blue coupe stopped in front of my door. It was Anna Wilde and that man. Mrs. Brandon, this is Mr. Deasy. How do you do, Mr. Deasy? Well, how are you, sister? Have a fire around here? There was an awful lot of smoke, but the volunteers didn't stay long. Oh, Carl! Carl, what was it? Uh, dinner burning, that was all. <laughs> it's a real small-town fire. Dr. Lampert, this is Mr. Deasy. Hiya, Doc. How do you do, sir? Uh, you one of the volunteers? I've been one for 40 years. Uh, hmm? Shall we go in and... No, no, just... Let's sit down on the porch a while while we can. I mean, after the mosquitoes get bad, but now it's so nice. Oh, sure. Come on over here, Eddie. Yeah. You go in, Carl, and tell Mr. Wilder, shall I? No, you go. Will you people excuse me? I got some things I was preparing, just a little snack. Oh, it's nice of you. Say, uh, tell me, how many fires like this in town, Doctor? Well, Florrie, what are you doing downstairs? Did he go? Yes. He saw them coming, and he went out the back way. Well, you... You go right upstairs to bed and don't say a word. I won't, Mrs. Brandon. She was holding her harmonica, and she went upstairs slowly, looking back at the screen door as if tempted to see the horrible Mr. Deasy. Well, I breathed a sigh of relief and went into the kitchen and made coffee and a few sandwiches. I don't know why, but I had no desire to see that pair on the porch confronted by the husband. It wasn't the kind of situation that makes a woman like me take any pleasure. Movies or no movies, I don't like them. Well, I was waiting for the coffee to drip when Carl came in. Did he go? Yes. What did he say? He was gone when I came in. Florrie said he saw the pair arrive. He sure is a slippery customer. Huh. After one look at that Mr. Ed Deasy, I don't blame him. And these, Dr. Carl Lampert, are my last boarders. Well, we carried the refreshments to the porch and found Mr. Deasy with his big feet right up on the railing. Well, we ate and talked, and the evening came creeping in the way it always does, silently. Carl smoked his pipe and 
Anna lit a cigarette. Not that it mattered to me. Dr. Deasy had a cigar, a, a foul thing. I was sitting there not saying much, just thinking of Mr. Wilde and Flory. A person likes to help in an affair like this because poor innocent child loved her father dearly. <laughs> it was enough to hear them playing together for a person to know. But there was Mr. Deasy. Then I realized that Carl was also thinking of little Flory and her happiness. No, Sip. No place like a small town for bringing up children, Miss Wilde. I'm a doctor, and I've always believed that. Well, I'm for the city, Doc. Give me the city, and you can take the vegetables and fresh air. <laughs> With me, a salad is nature in the raw. Right, Anna? Well, uh, I was speaking of Flory. I've been thinking of Flory. I'm sure she'd like living in the country. Maybe in a town like this. But I couldn't stand it. Two weeks and I've got all the green I want. Some people have their own tastes, I say. Oh, there's nothing wrong with a country town, Mrs. Brandon. It's just that I'm a city girl. And how? Oh, Eddie. Oh, sorry, kid, but I just had a vision of old 52 Street. I was, I was thinking if I could find a nice home where Flory could stay and be happy and where she wouldn't be lonely. Well, what's the use of beating around the bush, Anna? These people know the situation. Now, uh, Anna and I were wondering, Mrs. Brandon, whether you'd like to keep the kid here. In short... We'd pay what it's worth. But maybe she'd like staying with her father better. That's nuts. The old man ran out. He, he blew, didn't he, Anna? Would the child mind leaving you, Mrs. Wilde? <laughs> she doesn't seem to mind anything much. There didn't seem much to say. We heard a Bob White sound and a boy went by on a bicycle. Mr. Deasy's cigar was glowing and it was almost night. I was sitting facing toward the screen door of the house and that's how I saw Flory standing there, right behind the screen, listening. I could make out her white nightgown and the blur of her white face. Well, I should have said something or done something, but some devil held me in my chair and I sat still. Well, uh, what do you say, Mrs. Brandon? Would you like to take care of the kid? I still say it ought to be the father, if you don't want her, Miss Wilde. I didn't say I didn't want her. She doesn't want me. And if she doesn't, it'll be all right with me. I can live my life. You said it. Hey, we'll pay anything reasonable. Well, maybe if you got together with your husband again, Mrs. Wilde, the child might help keep you together. Children do, you know. I don't see Easy, what... kid. I can see Mrs. Brandon's point, but uh, you don't understand, Mrs. Brandon. The old man didn't want to have the trouble with the kid in the first place. He never liked her, and she never liked him. Well, he left me because of her. Because he didn't want a child. He didn't like her. He didn't love her. He loves me. He loves me. Flory. She faced the pair, white in her white nightgown, and she was crying. He does. He does. He told me. What are you doing down here? He loved me. He told me. He picked me up and he said he loved me. He said he'd never let you take me with you. I hate you. Shut up. Don't you strike her. Why not you let her? I said don't strike her. He was here today. Huh? And he's coming again. He said he was coming again. What did you say? Yes, he's here. He's here. He didn't go away. He said he'd never go away. Ed. It's the kid's imagination. Ed. 
Yes, he's been here twice, Mrs. Wilde. As a matter of fact, your husband was here when you and Mr. Deasy drove up. Why, he was right in the house when you... What, Ed! Mr. Deasy. Mrs. What? Wilde. The man's running away. Deasy. Mrs. Wilde. I knew it would happen. I knew it. I knew it. He, he, he put the idea in my head. It was Ed. I swear it wasn't me. It was, it was Ed. Take the child away, Emily. Well, he'll forgive you, Mrs. Wilde. He came and played so nicely with the child and... Look at that one. He's run away already. You're both crazy. You're all crazy. My husband's dead. We killed him. Ed and I killed him. He's dead. Buried. Dead. Buried. Dead. Buried. Dead. Dead. Of course... Carl and I never breathed a word about those two visits to Mr. Wilde. And they took her away. Mrs. Wilde, I mean. She was mad, stark raving mad. But the police got the story from Mr. Ed Deasy, and it was sordid and dirty the way those stories are, and he was going to get what he deserved. But she escaped it, at least. She just never knew anything anymore. So we got in touch with poor Mr. Wilde's relatives in Kansas, and two weeks later, little Flory, smiling and happy, was ready to leave. Well, I got everything, I think. Tickets, the bags, the box of candy, the doll, yes. And now we'll go down to the station, Flory. Yes, Mrs. Brandon. Uh, Carl, here's the child's harmonica. I'll put it in your pocket. Your arms are so full. All right. Well, everything's under control. Oh, we drove down to the station, Flory sitting between us, and... There were quite a number of nosy neighbors around, just dying out of morbid curiosity. But we hustled her into her compartment on the train. Goodbye, Flory, dear. Uh, The nurse on the train will be in in a minute, and you just do as she says until you get to your aunt and uncle. Yes, Mrs. Brandon. And here's your doll and these picture books. You'll be a nice girl and write us a letter, won't you? Yes, Dr. Lampert. Goodbye, child. Goodbye. Goodbye. Will you kiss me, Flory? Yes, Mrs. Brandon. Uh, goodbye, dear. You know, I just don't get it, Emily. Uh, we have to get off the train. Oh, this time, and I'm coming. But how could the child invent a story like that? I mean, about the father coming. And have you, Emily, believe in it? You mean it's my fault? No, but you backed the child's imagination up, and that's what did it. Well, how was I to know the poor man had been dead and murdered? But, Emily, you told me you heard him. It was the way she pretended to play with him. I mean, talking to him and laughing as if he were there in the room. Hey, we have to get off the train. All right, come along. But, Emily, you said somebody played tunes on the harmonica. Well, you heard her. I didn't hear her. Uh, Come along, you did, and so did I. But how she... There, you see? She did play it, and she's playing it now. Uh, Just open the compartment door and see. I just... No, no, there's no time. Come on. Well, you can't make me believe that... We're getting off, Emily. Hurry. Carl, now, don't drag me that way. It isn't decent. Hurry, please, this way. Well, I looked at the compartment window, but the shade was down. I waved anyway, thinking I saw her white face peering from behind a lifted edge of shade. At least it wasn't a ghost. But how it... Emily... Emily, hmm? look. The harmonica. Yeah. I forgot to give it to her. But... But what? But she played it, Carl. 
She played it. How could she? I've got it here. Let's go, Emily. I say, let's go. But, Carl. Now, what do you think it was? I don't know. I just don't know. The Columbia Workshop has brought you Flory and the Country Green, a drama written especially for radio by Abram Polanski. The director was Mark Sloeb. Featured in the cast were Selena Royal as Emily, Parker Fenley as Carl, Henriette Kay as Anna, Carl Eastman as Deasy, Betty Filson as Flory, and Grace Coppin as Kitty. Music was composed and conducted by Ben Ludlow. The current workshop productions are under the supervision of William Spear. If you can't go, write. Letters give our boys a lift. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.